Welcome to the Market Pulse podcast from Equifax, where we break down the latest economic and credit insights to help you navigate today's business landscape. Thank you for tuning in. And on today's agenda, we'll provide an update and near-term expectations on the U.S. economy, including a look at the fifth round of stimulus that may be on the horizon. We'll then dig a little deeper into consumer credit trends and near-term forecasts. I'm your host, Teresa Fries, and our guest this week is Chris Dorides, Deputy Chief Economist at Moody's Analytics. Chris, welcome back, and thank you for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. So let's start with an update on the U.S. economy. What do you see on the horizon, or, or, or what is important for our listeners to know about today, Chris? Yeah, great question. So the, the U.S. economic outlook is particularly strong. It keeps getting stronger, or we keep updating our forecast in a more optimistic and positive view. And really, a a couple of things have gone right over the last uh, three months. First of all, we have the vaccination campaign that has really surpassed our expectations. We're vaccinating around 3 million people a day now uh, throughout the country, opening up vaccination schedules to people of a lower age or younger, uh, younger folks. And that certainly is helping to keep the spread of the virus under control and rebuild some of the consumer confidence. There's a lot of pent-up demand that's out there. People are itching uh, to get out. They're looking to shop. I I hear that uh, hotels are booked up uh, throughout the summer in many of the key vacation spots. The second uh, factor in the outlook is the stimulus packages that were passed, particularly those from December and February. Those checks are going out now or have gone out. Uh, and that is certainly putting more money in, in folks' pockets. And that is also uh, contributing to some of the uh, the upgraded growth uh, that we would expect in 2021. So our outlook, that is the Moody's Analytics outlook, calls for about 6.4% growth in GDP in 2021. And then still very uh, strong growth around something in the neighborhood of 5, uh, 5.25% in uh, 2022. And it is good to hear that there's actually, you know, positive news on the horizon. I think, you know, as you mentioned, um, everyone's itching to get out there. I know myself, I've had cabin fever and had to postpone spring break from last year. And I tell you, I just got back from spring break and yeah, it was well needed. I think, you know, I don't think COVID exists in some of the beach towns. So while I yeah. still wore my mask, there were plenty of people that didn't. I, I you know, I think everyone um, is truly enjoying getting back out. And, and as you mentioned, the, the vaccines rolling out, giving people confidence once again to get out into the market and and spend. Like you said, you know, we've, we've been saving. Um, I think we had near or historic savings rates this past year. Um, and people are ready to get out there again. They are. They are. Although you also highlight one of the key risks here. If we get complacent uh, and forget our masks uh, and not we don't socially distance, uh, right? we're still running at a fairly high level of uh, cases per day. We, we shouldn't forget that. So um, we need to get this virus under control. And if we don't, if there suddenly is another resurgence, then this optimistic forecast right, goes to the side and we can we could easily uh, paint a picture where things could could fall back maybe not all the way back to where we were but uh, certainly to keep this momentum going first and foremost we need to deal with the uh, with the virus so Chris let's let's talk about I think the uh, survey of consumer expectations came out this morning and that also underscores the the improvement or the optimism in the market um, I believe I read that the labor market expectations are recovering um, people are 
looking forward or, or really a positive outlook around job security and unemployment expectations. Let's talk a little bit more about that topic. So consumer confidence is is recovering and recovering uh, quickly. Typically, uh, confidence is directly a function of, uh, of jobs and the job market, right? Most people have to work for a living. So if the, uh, if the job market is doing well, if I can find opportunities, if raises are coming, uh, that's going to certainly make me feel more confident in the future. And the more confident I am, the more likely I'm to, to spend and support the economy versus save or become very uh, precautionary. So I think this uh, these survey results are just a a reflection of what's going on in the broader um, economy. It's, but it's a good uh, it's a good data point to have that not only do we see job growth in the in the data, and last month we added over nine hundred thousand jobs uh, in in the month of March, and uh, the projections for April are even more uh, optimistic. On that note, you know, are there certain industries that you see stronger than others or coming back more quickly? We see a lot of growth in the leisure and hospitality industry. So, um, a little bit of a mixed uh, message there, though. That was that was the industry that was hardest hit, the one that was hit first and lost the most jobs. Right, at some at one point we lost almost uh, a quarter of all the jobs within that uh, within that sector. Um, now we are adding jobs at a at a faster pace as we reopen, uh, but still there's quite a big hole uh, left to fill there. There are some structural changes that we would expect in that industry as well. Some some part of business travel uh, we forecast well, won't come back, right? Some of the business trips that we may have taken in the past are going to re- be replaced by uh, Zoom calls, video conferencing. But then uh, you look more broadly and really you do see job growth across almost every uh, major sector. So it's uh, it's testament to some of the uh, the demand that's out there uh, that that is coming back you know everything from manufacturing and demand for housing and construction and uh, automobiles to services and a lot of service growth is coming back and that again was the the part of the economy that was that was hit the hardest and when that's where we would expect to see most of the growth in jobs over the next few months so very closely tied as you alluded to earlier to the job expectations and the positive outlook is the income again most uh, most income uh, comes from from jobs, wage and salary income. The uh, stimulus programs last year, from the CARES Act all the way through the uh, various stimulus programs that were um, updated throughout the year, they did fill the hole in a a lot of uh, household budgets in terms of the lost wages. Um, And now we're starting to see some of that transformation. So less emphasis or less income from transfer payments, from uh, government stimulus checks and unemployment benefits, and more income coming from from jobs. And that's certainly the direction we want to go. And uh, if we can continue that momentum, that's that that does does certainly point well for um, for the future in terms of uh, additional spending. Sure. And Chris, a number of times over the past year, we've talked about the K-shaped recovery and, you know, how the, the upper leg, if you will, of the K keeps going higher and the lower leg keeps going lower. Do you foresee or do you think that the legs, if you will, of the K are starting to come together now and that we're seeing less of that divergence of the two economies? We are starting to see perhaps uh, the the bottom leg of the K coming back up. So the leisure hospitality jobs that I mentioned that are that are being added back, those do tend to be 
uh, lower income uh, individuals. So seeing strength in the labor market down uh, down at that part of the, the K is certainly uh, beneficial. But at the same time, we are continuing to see growth in the upper part of the K as well. Stock market continues to go up. Um, the house prices continue to, to rise as well. And then incomes uh, or demand for, for those folks as well continues to rise. So we might still see quite a bit of divergence there between those two legs, but at least the bottom seems to be moving upward. Definitely good news. I'd like to shift now to the next round of stimulus that we're expecting. And But before we do that jump, I thought it would be nice to, to take a look. I think this is the fifth round of stimulus that we're talking about now. And so I just wanted to do, let's let's do a, you know, a speed round of what each round of stimulus has really been um, aimed at. And if I get one of these wrong, do correct me. So first off, we looked at if we look at the round one stimulus mm-hmm. round one, it was really to avoid a catastrophic event with the economy starting to shut down. Right. Then we fast forward to round two, which was during the summertime, providing additional support during the prolonged shutdown. Right. That's right. That's right. Okay. Then we start looking at round three that was provided um, or that came into existence around the end of the year that was really providing that year in support to consumers as we started to reopen, but we were still working on the vaccines, correct? That's right. Just got some okay. positive news, and but it wasn't clear where we were, we were yep. headed. Yep, yep. And then fast forward to round four, the new administration, we extended and added to the support that we got at the end of the year. But as you and I have discussed, it really helped to jumpstart the economy or is intended to help jumpstart the economy now that the vaccines are in market. Is that correct? That's right. I I think of it as the starter fluid for the economic engine, right? We really see the vaccines having an effect and having a little bit of money in, in, in folks' pockets, right? As we get the, the jobs back, that's that's really positive in terms of jumpstarting growth. So it sounds like round five, as we've discussed, is that it's more of longer-term growth projections, perhaps more infrastructure or long-term spending. Let's talk a little bit more about that fifth round of stimulus. Yeah, so this is the proposed American Jobs uh, Plan. It's been, um, it's been pitched in some sense, as an infrastructure bill, but it's much more than just traditional infrastructure. It's about uh, uh, funding uh, initiatives that hopefully would um, increase productivity overall and really continue economic growth or long-term economic growth. So I view it as designed in part to to fill some holes that we've had in our budget for a long time. So infrastructure spending, I think everyone agrees on both sides of the aisle. I don't think this is controversial, that uh, you know, we need to replace some of our roads and bridges. There are some gaps in terms of our infrastructure spending on on airports and ports, right? So we, we just need to modernize. Um, so there's about six hundred billion or, or so allocated within this uh, this two point. Well, by my accounting, it's it's somewhere between two point three to two point six uh, trillion. So a lot of money out there. About six hundred billion or so allocated to what you might think of as this traditional uh, type of infrastructure. On top of that, you have other types of infrastructure, which I think are also equally valid. Uh, uh, rural broadband, for example, right? So I, I don't think there's any real uh, controversy ar- around that. We want to, again, modernize our infrastructure in a way that uh, can help more people access the labor market. And so it's not just about the roads, the physical roads. It's about the internet and being able to access the internet for school or, or, uh, or, or work. You have some aspects in here like replacing lead pipes. Again, I don't think there's any controversy. I guess the, the one controversial thing is that why we why have we haven't done this already, right? 
Um, but uh, there's, so there's a lot of things in there that, that makes a lot of sense. But then you have some other parts that where there is certainly much more debate and there's funding in there for um, uh, elderly and uh, disabled uh, care. Not that I, I don't think, again, anyone really disputes that we need to fund those things, but do those, does that funding belong in this type of infrastructure package? And is this, um, is that necessarily a, a spending that would be for investment and improving the productive capacity of the economy? Or really is that more of an entitlement in taking care of folks who, who uh, we have promised through our, our uh, Medicare and Medicaid uh, programs to provide um, an adequate level of care in their old age or, or as needed? So I think those are the, some of the more controversial pieces. So I do expect a lot of debate in terms of the specific parts of the plan and then a lot of debate around the funding. And that I, perhaps even more debate around whether we should be raising taxes, which taxes we should be raising. What is the timeline for this next round? Do you foresee it in the next three months, six months? What are your thoughts? So much depends on how we uh, how we approach it, and from a political perspective. And I, I must admit, I'm no expert <laughs> here. But uh, if uh, if it is going to be part of a, a resolution uh, process, my understanding is it would be uh, through. It would be passed uh, within the within this fiscal year. There's been some rulings that we can have another type of resolution package passed through in, in, through this year. So my guess would be within the next six months. So it's not immediate, but uh, certainly by by the end of this year, uh, I would expect to see some some. Otherwise, it gets passed or it gets moved into debate for for next year. Are there any UFO requirements in this one? <laughs> Uh, not that I'm aware of. <laughs> good. But, you know, this is the uh, first pass here. Anything could happen. Good, good. I'm, I'm still looking forward to the report. I know. Isn't it June timeframe we're supposed to get that? <laughs> that? That's right. That's right. Good, good. Awesome. Again, five rounds of stimulus, four have already gone through, one's on the horizon again. When was the last time that we've had so much focus or so much stimulus entering the market? We really haven't. That unless you go back, you have to go to World War II, right? And that it's hard to say that that was actually stimulus, right? We were fighting a a, a war, but that was the type of level of uh, consumer or government spending uh, that we did, right? Uh, large outlays to to fight the war, and that certainly had some economic effects. But since then, right, we've never really stimulated the economy in this way in this short period of time, right? For context, during the, the um, great financial crisis, so back in 2008, 2009, right, um, we, the, the stimulus we provided was about $800 billion. And that actually took several rounds of uh, negotiation, uh, as you recall. So, you know, right off the bat with the CARES Act, uh, over $2 trillion provided the economy. We already, you know, more than doubled, <laughs> right? And so we've, we've just continued uh, down this path here. So it's it is unprecedented, and that does open up some questions about some of the longer term uh, p- potential consequences of running up uh, running up the debt. Right. So far, we really haven't seen any of the, the downside. Interest rates have remained very low. Uh, investors still want to lend uh, the U.S. government money. So nothing in the short term really uh, negative, and, and we've we've certainly seen some benefits by keeping households and small businesses uh, alive uh, through this period. But in the back of our minds, we always have to be thinking about those longer-term risks. 
I think, one of those longer-term risks or concerns. And you touched on it a moment ago when you said that this particular round of stimulus may take a little longer to talk through because we're actually talking about how to pay for it. So, you know, when we look back at, you know, the four rounds that we've already implemented in this fifth round of stimulus, how do we plan to pay for all of this? Uh, good, good question. Um we're going to have a whole uh, podcast series, I think, just to, just to talk about that. <laughs> just on that topic? Just on that topic. Um, you know, I think, uh, to be honest, we'll probably, in terms of what's already been passed, we're, we're probably going to do what we've done in the past, which is not worry about it, right? at least not for a while, um, until, until uh, some type of uh, day of reckoning. But there's a lot of theory, a lot of uh, arguments now that, well, maybe there isn't that, a day of reckoning, right? You have a whole line of thought out there that uh, we might be able to continue to expand the budget and print money without uh, without incurring some some negative consequences. I'm not a fan of it. I think at some point you do get to a point where investors lose, uh, lose confidence or lose faith or they find other opportunities. Um, but I, I don't see that as a risk in the immediate term. The U.S. government is going to continue to pay its debts. We have a lot of flexibility in the short term. I think it's it's reasonable that for the next round of stimulus that we're talking about, we are talking about actually paying for it and thinking of it more as a longer-term investment and you know, thinking about the trade-offs and there will be some good debate around that. So that I think that mindset is changing. We, these stimulus packages we passed around COVID were really uh, emergency measures. We need to preserve the economy, preserve, uh, uh, you know, deal with a public health crisis and we'll figure out uh, the the payment later on. You're dealing with a, an immediate crisis. Now we can pivot and start to think a little bit more uh, longer term and get back to the thought of some of the other entitlement spending that's out there that hasn't gone away. And I think we, we do have to have a, a longer conversation. So Chris, let's take just a moment then and touch on consumer credit. Um, you know, we work together with credit trends as well as credit forecasts. So what are you seeing in the data? What trends are we starting to see? I, I imagine some things are starting to change now that we're coming out of the worst part of the pandemic. Um, so what are you seeing in the trends? And then looking ahead to the forecast. One trend that I'm seeing or noting is just it, it does appear as though some of the uh, declines in, say, bank card or, or credit card uh, balances overall seem to be moderating, which seems to be as though we are approaching the bottom of uh, a year-over-year uh, type of decline. And we would expect to see some additional growth uh, throughout the year as as consumers do come back into the market. They do have uh, pent-up demand. They may have, some of them certainly may have some additional savings, as you mentioned, but uh, many people do use their cards for booking travel or financing some of their purchases. So I, I would expect to see some of that balance uh, growth coming back. But uh, at a very modest pace, um, which I view as positive. We, are, we don't want people overextending uh, themselves at this point either. On the performance side, we see very positive trends so far. There's still quite a few loans in, accom- in accommodations, right? We're seeing some type of uh, support, modification support, um, or loss mitigation uh, support, I should say. Payment deferrals in, in the form primarily of mortgages. That's where a lot of the, um, the benefits are coming from. Uh, but even autos, credit cards, we are seeing some of those accommodation programs still having an effect in keeping delinquency rates uh, low. Stimulus uh, checks are certainly going to support that performance along with uh, tax refunds, which may come a little bit later uh, this year. So that, uh, for the short term, should keep performance very strong 
And even after those things expire, I would expect that we would see some deterioration, but nothing, nothing uh, uh, traumatic, right? I, w- I would expect, if anything, to see delinquency rates trending right back up to where they were prior to the pandemic, prior to February of, of 2020. So good news uh, for the most part, I would say. So in the forecast, uh, very positive. Of course, we run a variety of scenarios, so there's always some downside risk out there we want to be mindful of. Um, I think we've been pretty optimistic here today, but uh, there are certainly some things on the horizon to, to keep an eye on. When we did touch on the pandemic itself. There, are, there is now risk of uh, inflation and interest rates uh, rising very suddenly. We want to keep that in, in mind. I don't see that as a as a, uh, an immediate threat, but uh, that's certainly something in the back of my mind. And then asset prices, house prices, stock prices, they're at pretty lofty levels. Growth rates are pretty strong there. So there is a chance of some type of correction uh, that could occur. And that certainly would be a risk to the, to the outlook as well. Chris, you know, there's always that concern that there may be another bubble. Um, you mentioned with the house, the, the asset prices and, and homes and, and things being so high that we may be set for a correction. Is there any fear of a bubble or just a, a gentle correction? I would say there's always some some potential for a sharp correction. Um, you know, and there's the old economist joke that says, if you want to know if there's a bu- if we're in a bubble, I'll, you know, wait five years and then I'll I'll tell you because you can only diagnose the bubble until after after it pops. Um, so we need to get the next, the, the five-year-out podcast on the calendar now so yeah, we can revisit this question. Okay, gotcha. Exactly, exactly. Then I'll answer definitively uh, by saying let's wait another five years. Um, <laughs> I would say that uh, you know, the prices have, uh, have certainly risen, particularly I think more about equities and, and stock markets, right? We've seen a tremendous uh, increase there in prices relative to, uh, to profits or, or, or income or earnings, right? So there, I, I am a bit, a bit more uh, concerned that there will be some type of correction. Now, swift and severe, I, I, I don't see it right now, but it's hard to predict uh, you know, what that sentiment uh, looks like. Um, perhaps from a, a broader consumer perspective, though, the focus is more on the housing side of things. That's, that's the asset that most consumers uh, have on their balance sheet. We have seen house prices rise at double-digit rates over the last year, you know, and there's still lots of momentum. Uh, my sense is that we will see interest rates rise here, and that'll deflate a lot of the uh, of the momentum that's out there, so preventing a real crash. And we also have a very different housing market than we had during the financial crisis. Right? People have a lot more equity in their homes. We didn't have all the we don't have all the crazy mortgages uh, that we had uh, back then. Uh, Today's uh, mortgage market is is pretty solid in terms of uh, underwriting. It's still relatively hard to get an, uh, a mortgage, so I'm I'm I certainly could paint a picture of a potential bubble uh, bursting, but it's more regional. There are certain pockets of the market that I would see as a, at risk versus uh, a national uh, bubble. But certainly something to to put on your list of uh, of concerns, something to watch. It might not be at the top of the list at the moment. That was Chris Dorides, Deputy Chief Economist at Moody's Analytics. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Market Pulse and that the insights shared will help you keep a better pulse on the market and in turn make more confident business decisions. To access the latest consumer credit and small business insights, contact your Equifax account representative today or visit us online at equifax.com forward slash business. 
Be sure to check out our show notes for more details on both Credit Trends and CreditForecast.com, two solutions that delivered some of the key insights that we spoke to this afternoon. To keep up with the latest podcasts, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series from your favorite podcast channel. You'll be alerted as soon as new podcasts are published each month. And please post a review. Let us know how we're doing. You can also suggest topics for a future podcast or for the Market Pulse webinar series. You can send an email to us at marketpulsepodcast at equifax.com. Speaking of webinars, you can also access a replay of any of our Market Pulse webinars, past Market Pulse podcast episodes, and our latest credit trends report at equifax.com forward slash Market Pulse, or by contacting your Equifax or Moody's account representatives. This is your host, Teresa Fries, and that's all the time we have for today. It's been a pleasure bringing you the latest economic and credit insights over this past year. Be sure to tune in next month for the latest updates. Thank you again for listening. Do you have the economic and consumer credit performance you need? With CreditForecast.com, a joint product created by Equifax and Moody's Analytics, you can access data, forecasts, scenarios, analyses, and more from analysts you trust. Learn more in our show notes or visit creditforecast.com today. The information and opinions provided in this podcast are intended as general guidance only and are subject to change without notice. The views presented during the podcast are those of the presenter as of the date this podcast was recorded and do not necessarily reflect official positions of Equifax. Investor analysts should direct inquiries using the contact us box on the investor relations section at equifax.com.